Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. So uh, tonight's teaching we're going to be talking about is going to be called the Black Horse Rides. The Black Horse Rides. And what we're going to be talking about concerning this is I feel like the Lord's been leading me into the book of Revelation again. You know, and he's been showing me things concerning where we're headed, the economy, you know, everything that's going on. And I think this is a really good time for Christians. I don't mean in terms of the things that are coming, but the fact that we have the truth that we can share with so many others because our God is so good that he didn't leave us to the place of not knowing what's going on. A lot of people are trying to figure out what's going on through politics and all this other stuff they got going on. And they're trying to, you know, solve the race problem. And if we just get the right man in office and blah, 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 all that stuff people look for. But, you know, we as Christians are a very privileged group right now. You know, although we're going to be in the same place, with many other people, but we have a Lord and Savior that told us what would come our way so that we could not just mentally, financially, and physically prepare, but also spiritually. So this is a very good time for us because I think you're going to see a lot of people get saved in this time. I really do because people are looking for answers. They're not getting it from their government. Their government is shut down, you know, right now. So I mean, this is a time to be the light and salt for Christ and tell people the truth. So I think that we're very privileged. So, you know, we're going to talk about tonight about a lot of questions people have, the economy. We're just going to, um, you know, even talk to people about what to do in these times, because the Lord has given some answers and they've always been right before us. It's always been Jesus. But there are things that Jesus wants us to do to actually preserve us in these days. Okay. So that's a very fortunate thing to know that last night I did the um, teaching on the seven heads and 10 horns. And when you go through teachings like that, people sit there and look at it and they're like, man, so what can we do? You know, like what's going on? But we have a Lord and savior that told us what he would do and what he would do for his people in these days. So let's um, pray real quick, and then we'll get right into the lesson. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this time of sharing. We thank you for the word of God that is able to save our souls. We thank you, Lord, that you are that great light and that bread of life, that you are giving us everything that we need, Lord, for the coming days. And although your prophecy cannot be taken away, the good news is, Lord, that you will be with us through it and you will perform the miracles that you did when you were here. And you said, Lord, that it is sufficient that we be as our master. So we just pray in Jesus' name that more people get to see who you are, get to see your goodness, that they get an understanding that you are the first and the last, the alpha and omega, and you know all things. And we just pray, Lord, that you share your heart with your people. We pray for deeper revelation and understanding. We pray for an anointing on everyone's lives, Lord, that hear this message 
and want to serve you. We ask that you extend understanding to those who are in darkness. So we just pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that no man's heart be heard tonight, that no flesh be glorified, Lord, but by your spirit, in Jesus' name, all things will be done. In the name of Jesus, I bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, contention, or confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, and hatred, and all spirits of fear, doubt, and unbelief. We pray in Jesus' name that they be bound from this very moment, Lord, that your people will see that there is hope and that it's not just about this life, Lord, but the one that we're heading to. So we just thank you, Lord, for you are good and your mercy endures forever. We ask, Lord, that you be glorified with every word that we speak. Let all these things be done, Lord, for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so let's get right in. I wanna go to Revelation chapter six, and we're gonna begin at verse one, Revelation six and one. But it's amazing how you think that you're done with certain areas in the Bible. And all of a sudden, the Lord just gives you a taste to go back to the word because there's more he wants to show you. You guys remember a few years ago, we did a teaching on the book of Revelation that I would like to honestly get rid of, okay? Because he's given me more understanding than I had at that time. There were a lot of things that I did know, you know, that he's given me, but I think that. He saves his word in many ways and his understanding for times that are coming so that things can be explained right, you know? And I'm not saying there was anything wrong with it, but I could only tell people what I know or what he revealed to me. So, you know, hopefully tonight we get even more understanding of the book of Revelation because a lot of Christians are afraid of it and they back off from it. But man, this is a true treasure. The fact that you know what's coming and you can tell people about it and you can point it to Jesus and say, you know, this is who has the answers. All right, so let's get right in. So this is Revelation six, let's begin at verse one. And he says, and I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals and I heard as it were a noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, come and see was worthy enough to open the seal in chapter five, you know, and we knew that it was only one and that was Jesus. But when he's talking about the seals, it's kind of like a scroll and each one of them that he would pick off, something would happen. Okay. So um, let's just continue. Look at verse two. He says, and I saw and behold a white horse and he that sat on him had a bow and a crown was given unto him and he went forth conquering and to conquer. So we understand that if a false prince of peace, and you know that Jesus is supposed to come back on a white horse, and he's going to speak at the end of time to destroy all the things that are not of God, okay? Then you know that this is not Christ. Christ doesn't have a bow, and Christ doesn't come go off conquering and to conquer. This is a spirit, and this is a lifestyle. This is the Antichrist that we're speaking of that's going to come. Now, it's important that we understand who the first horse is, because when we go into all the others, you're going to see what's going to come through with him. And we're also going to see that Jesus had warned his disciples about this long before we even got to Revelation. OK, so that's really important. But he says he went forth conquering and to conquer. So if you guys remember 
in uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, remember how the Bible says that the Antichrist will come and, uh, and oppose and exalt his name above all that is called God and that he would sit in the temple so that he as God um, sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. But then the Bible talked about that at this time of his coming that he could not come except there come a falling away first. Then that man of sin would be revealed. So you know that this is the spirit of Antichrist that's working right now in all the churches. Like Laura mentioned, you know, that there was a church that has Planned Parenthood in it. You know, that's the spirit of Antichrist. Everything that is against Christ is playing out. So this first horse can't be ignored because with that horse, everything else gets issued, um, ushered in, okay? So he came to conquer. And remember, it says, he that letteth will now let until he be taken out of the way. So you know that there's going to come a point where the spirit, you know, would, um, you know, move back and allow this individual to come forward. Okay. So this is real important. And he says, and when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, come and see. And there went out another horse that was red and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. So we understand here that with the coming of the Antichrist, that things may seem peaceful. A lot of his agendas are going to seem peaceful. The Bible says by peace, he would destroy many. So when they say he comes in conquering and to conquer, we must keep in mind that he's not talking about just going to war with you. He's going to flatter you. He's going to tell you everything that you want to hear. So when people say the tribulation is only three and a half years and it's not seven, I've got to disagree because the moment this guy comes on the scene, he is going to affect the Christian and society almost immediately. Okay, his first attack is going to be in peace. That's three and a half years. Then he's going to show his horns. And the second attack is going to be all out war because he's going to do what he wants to do. All right. But now he's talking about this great sword. And as you know, you guys have heard in the headlines, uh, I think some country attacked another. Someone attacked Syria or Syria attacked something. But I can't remember exactly what it was. But they asked, was this the beginning? of World War III. I wanna say the same thing as I say concerning the Antichrist. World War III has already begun. World War III is not a physical war. World War III is mental, emotional, financial, and spiritual. So all we're doing is getting everyone prepared for the coming of this red horse. When it says he's coming to take peace from the earth, you're gonna see no one's gonna be able to come to that place of you know, understanding. Everyone's gonna have something to fight for. You got the hillbillies in the Appalachian Mountains wanting to kill the Mexicans because they wanna keep them beyond the border, not even realizing what that whole war, that whole uh, wall is for. In world map, Trump is just obeying his masters and doing what they tell him to do. So when we look at this, you're gonna find a lot of people demonized, a lot of fighting going on. So this war is not just going to be military. It's already beginning with the individuals, okay? And you're going to find out how if anyone is trusted in their military, 
you're going to see how divided it is when it's time to go to war, because many of them are NATO troops just waiting, okay, to be able to, you know, subdue everything. But anyway, let me get to the point. So he says in, in verse five, and when he had opened the door, I mean, the third seal, I heard the third beast say, come and see. And behold, and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. Now, you know, many people have tried to draw this individual, and it looks like, you know, some starving person with his ribs poked down and, you know, his head shaven. I don't know what this spirit looks like, but he has a pair of balances in his hand. And then it says, and I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, a measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. So we must understand what this is going on because this is the economic rider. This is the one that's riding right now. The war has already begun against Christ and the Christian. That's why they're putting all these rules in play. And then you've got this racial strife going on everywhere and people demonizing Trump. You know what? Trump is all right with me and I don't care who likes it. I don't know the man. I don't care what he's setting forward. My, my trust is in Jesus Christ. I'm not for Trump. I'm not for anybody else that's out there that's doing what they're doing. I've been like sent messages. Don't you think that the Christians should care about, you know, the government and the presidents and all that? Hey, I never said pray for them. I just don't put my trust in any of them. My trust is in Jesus Christ, okay? I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. I'm looking for a city not cut out with hands. So right away, when you enter into that mindset, that frees you from everything that's going on here. Because if you start looking at presidents, when did God tell us to look at presidents? When did he tell you and I to start looking at you know, um, the government? He told, Paul told you that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. That's where our focus should be, not on the individual, not what he can do for you in his policy. Because you see, a lot of people have allowed this black horse to ride simply because they put their trust in man and not in God. Second Chronicles 714 says, if my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, he said, I would hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. So if we really wanted our land healed, we would be where God wants us to be. But instead, Christians keep falling for the okie doke and going after things that are not of God. And in doing so, there's nothing that we're going to do, guys, concerning this economy. We can ask God for more time. We can ask God to win more souls. We can ask for his grace to be extended. But they have already set in play. They're going to crash this thing because they want their new world order. The seven heads and 10 horns that I talked about last night, and we talked about so many times in the past. So, you know, when he talks about a measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny, he's talking about inflation here. He's talking about what it would take for you and I, like, let's just say to get a loaf of bread in this time when this horse is fully in his gallop, it may take a day's wages just to get a loaf of bread. Okay, this is how bad it's going to get. 
but thank God for Jesus because he's going to provide for us in that time. The second phase of a Christian's life is going to be just like the wilderness, just before they made it into the promised land. Our God will provide, and I'm gonna prove this, but I want people to understand here what's going on, okay? This is a spirit. The plan is to go cashless. The plan is a new world order. The plan is you won't be able to buy or sell except you receive a mark. Because he made clear those who receive the mark will be able to or have the name of the beast or the number of his name. What I intend to do tonight for Christians listening and those who want to be Christians, I'm going to, um, you know, pretty much have us lose our faith in this world. Why? Because if we put part of our faith into this, we'll only have part faith towards the Lord. I'm trying to encourage people, get on your knees and pray and seek the Lord with a fervent desire. Fast and pray with a purpose. Yes, you might be in the workplace, but you're not selling out to that. You're not trusting in that. That's just ways and means that God is doing for the time being. But in the end, we know that we have a plan. And that plan is to draw closer to Christ. Because if he fed a mass of 5,000 in the desert, and he says that we are to be like him, then my plan is to be like Christ. That means, you know, we could all be somewhere down in a bunker, not doing well, you know, and I find a piece of bread. Lord, sanctify this and feed the mass of 5,000. You see, Jesus didn't show us that because he wanted to show off. He showed you that regardless of where your circumstances are and what they're about, he will provide. And we must trust him. We must believe in him. I like messages like this because it sobers us up. So I want you guys to hear a quick clip. We heard this woman before. Her name is uh, Rima LeBeau or Labo. She died not too long ago, but she said something really interesting concerning the economy and what their plans are. She exposes uh, Codex Elementaris. So, you know, Codex Elementaris, I'll, I'll get into detail later. I got to do it the ghetto way, but we're going to move this thing over. All right. And we're going to play this because we want people to really have an understanding of what this is. Okay. So I want to uh, play this clip real quick and hopefully we'll get something from it. But you guys check this out. The most basic of pagan practices is the control of human population to have a perfect balance between man and nature. The goal is to bring the population down to 500 million, which is over a 90% reduction in humanity. Now that we have abandoned everything we've been trained to think prior to this moment, we can start looking at the world for what it is instead of what people tell us it is. Open your eyes today as if you've never seen the world before, and you will begin to notice that the goal of population reduction is everywhere around us. Let me assure you that absolutely nothing that I'm going to tell you is exaggerated, is interpolated, or is imagined. Everything I'm going to tell you is documented. He who controls food controls the world. Well, 
They said, in 1962, we're going to work toward total global implementation of Codex Elementarius on December 31st, 2009. There were sort of guidelines. Now, Codex Elementarius Commission is administered by the World Health Organization, WHO, and the FAO, the Food and Agriculture Organization. They fund Codex and they run it at the request of the UN. So they're mommy and daddy to Codex Alimentarius. In 1994, Codex, with no notice here in this country whatsoever, declared nutrients, put on your intellectual seatbelts, declared nutrients to be toxins. They're poisons. Under Codex, every dairy cow on the planet must be treated with Monsanto's recombinant bovine growth hormone. Furthermore, under Codex, every animal used for food on the planet must be treated with subclinical antibiotics and must be treated with exogenous growth hormones. If you do the numbers in the WHO-FAO projections, the epidemiological projections, they estimate, not I, that just the vitamin and mineral guideline alone, when it goes into global implementation on December 31st, 2009, will result in a minimum of 3 billion, that's B, bad, B, billion deaths. 1 billion from simple starvation. Those folks who die are not particularly economically successful from the point of view of the corporations, but the next 2 billion, they will die from the preventable diseases of undernutrition. Who will live? Probably those people who are wealthy enough and powerful enough to have their own pushers of clean food and nutrients. So we need your help because the United States leadership is what's going to literally save the population of the planet. The UN has put out dozens of public documents. All right, so, you know, let me get this back. But the thing is, is there's a lot of stuff concerning this that I wanted to play the whole video, but I didn't have really, um, ways and means to make it happen. But the thing that this woman said is that back in, I think it was 2008 or 2007, that they would declare all nutrients to be toxins. Okay. So that's how they treated it. That a lot of us think today that we're buying GMO foods and stuff like that. I mean, not GMO, we are buying those. <laughs> um, so when a lot of people think that they're buying like organically grown stuff, They've already taken the nutrients out of the foods, okay? So if you do eat it, it may be a little more healthy, but they've already done what they needed to do. So this woman um, does talk about the reason that they're doing this. She said that, you know, almost everything has to be, has to have this happen to them, like every sheep or whatever, it's got to be injected and all these things. So these people were talking about depopulation. And then you wonder why there's such a hike in cancer 
and you wonder why all these things are going on because of the fact that, I mean, even autism and all this stuff that's, that's going on, these things are occurring because of what these people are putting in the food. And it's the grace of Almighty God is why you and I have not been subject to these things, you know, yet. And I believe that if we stay with Jesus and we do what he tells us to do, these people don't mean us any good. These people want to depopulate. So I'm just gonna play, um, not play. Uh, I wanna read this because I think this is important. All right, um, actually I'm gonna do it from here, but there's a woman named Barbara Marks Hubbard. We're gonna get back into this and read this, but she said something really kind of scary to think about. But you know, these people know what's going on. And that's why it's important that we get into the word of God and we do the things that God wants. Okay, so this is what Barbara Marks Hubbard says. She's supposed to be a, um, an, an author and, you know, like a UN friend and a New World Order, you know, a United Nations person. But she says, she says, out of a, a full spectrum of human personality, one fourth is electing to transcend. One fourth is ready to so choose, given the example of one other. Then it says one fourth is resistant to election. Uh, they are unattracted by life ever evolving. So you guys figure out who that one fourth is that doesn't want the election of evolution, that doesn't want, you know, um, that doesn't care anything about, you know, this new thing that they're trying to do with body modification and going into a new age and what they're trying to do, you know, because they're trying to issue in the spirit of Antichrist. If any of you have guessed Christian, you're 100% right, because Christians are a cancer to this new world that these people want to put together. You know why? Every time they try to do something in the dark, there's the Christian standing up saying, that's not right. The Bible says, Jesus says, you know, abortion is wrong. Homosexuality is wrong. All these things are wrong. So we're in many ways, because we pray to our God, we're slowing the process of what's taking place. All right. Well, I'm just going to finish this. She says one fourth is destructive. They are born angry with God. Now, when they say born angry with God, they're not talking about your God. They're talking about their God. Okay. So anyway, it says they are defective seeds. They have always been defective seeds. In the past, they were permitted to die of natural death. Uh, we, the elders, have been patiently waiting until the very last moment before the quantum transformation to take action to cut out this corrupted and corrupting element in the body of humanity. It is like watching a cancer grow. Now, as the approach of the quantum shift from creature, uh, from creature human to co-creative human, uh, the human who is the inheritor of God-like powers, the destructive one-fourth must be eliminated from the social body. Uh, we have no choice, uh, dearly beloveds. Uh, it is a case of the destruction of the whole planet or the elimination of the ego-driven godless one-fourth uh, who at this time of, of planetary birth can if allowed to live on the on the um on to reproduce their defective disconnection so you know how the bible tells us not to be 
conform to this world. Okay, so we understand that their motives are separate from ours, but you see how they, they see us? We're a cancer to them, okay? We're a big problem for what they're trying to do. I'm just about done, guys. I just want to read this one part, and then we're going to get into the scriptures. So it says, uh, destroy forever the opportunity of homo sapiens to become homo universalis. Homo universalis is the new man that they're trying to erect, okay? And then it says, heirs of God. Before this stage of power can be inherited by the God-centered members of the social body, the self-centered members must be destroyed. And then it says, fortunately, you dearly beloved are not responsible for this act. We are, uh, we are in charge of God's selection process for planet earth. He selects, we destroy. We are the riders of the pale horse, which is death. We come to bring death to those who are unable to know God. The riders of the pale horse are about to pass among you. And it says, grim reapers, they will separate the wheat from the chaff. This is the most painful period of the history of humanity. So, you know, this woman is talking as if, you see how she's trying to mix some scripture in there and she's trying to act like we're the good guys. This is the truth in Luciferians. They really do believe that they're serving the righteous God. The way that they view Adam and Eve is different than the way you and I view them. We view them as, guys, you messed up. You had the Holy Ghost. You were made in the image and likeness of God. All you had to do was cling to the tree of life and maintain it. They believe that Adam and Eve, um, they didn't get kicked out of the garden. They grew up and walked out. They believe that what Eve did was a good thing because she gave them knowledge. So you see, this is the understanding that these people have. And that's why knowledge is God to many of these people, you know? And their plan is they want to get rid of Christians. They don't want us around. They want to try and destroy us because they know if it's not for us, they won't be able to do what they want, okay? So I'm gonna read this real quick. This is... Um, the Georgia Guidestones. Has anyone ever heard of that? I'm sure you guys have. But the Georgia Guidestones are like the Ten Commandments to the New World Order. Okay, this is what they're planning. See, the devil can't create. He only copies. He hears something and then he wants to do it. Okay, so this is what it says. Maintain humanity under 500 million. Now, we got 7.7 billion people in the world right now. So they want 90% of the people of the world to die in order to bring in a society that they can control. All right. So you let your imagination run wild with that one. And then it says in perpetual balance with nature. That's one. It says guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. That's two. Okay. Then it says unite humanity with a living new language. So as you can see, they're going to try and get everybody to become one mind, one global brain. They're doing it right through the computer. You can hit Google Translate on anything, and you see how they're conditioning the world, no matter what language you speak, to fall up under one individual. Remember, this was done one time before in the Tower of Babel, when the whole earth was of one language and one speech. Remember, they wanted to build a tower, which was rebellion to God, and they wanted to be their own gods. 
Okay, so this is three. Uh, I've read three. This is four. Rule, passion, faith, tradition, and all things with tempered reason. So they want to have some logic behind this and not the spirit of God and his wisdom. All right. So they want to control faith. You can imagine who they want you to have faith in. Look at five. Protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts. You know what's going to be fair to them? What they say is fair. All right. That's what we're going to go into. So this is what we got to pay attention to. This is six. Let all nations rule internally, resolving external disputes in the world court. So if you were to commit a crime in this new system and you're an American, it won't matter. Okay, they, they may take you overseas or you're going to go before a world court that is going to deal with you the way that they say. Now, why is the devil doing this? Because there were some things that were in the Constitution that said that you have freedom of religion. You had freedom of speech. Those two things are what Christians rely on. Okay, that's a belief that Christians have. I have the right to express my views and, you know, try and win a few souls while I'm at it. So what they want to do is, you know, judge you in a world court where there'll be no more constitution or anything, which I'm not trusting in, you know. But the thing is, is they want to bring everything up under one. This is eight. Avoid petty laws and useless officials. Why do they tell you this? Because everything is going to go up under the jurisdiction of the Antichrist and these 10 kings. OK, so useless officials and, you know, cops and all that, they're not even going to deal with that. This is a balance personal rights with social duties. This is nine prize, truth, beauty, love, seeking harmony with the infinite. So you see how twisted the devil's mind is. He starts out with eliminating 90% of the world, but now he's telling you have love and passion and everything else. This is the satanic devil that he is. Okay, and I can't believe in seeking harmony with the infinite. That infinite, I guarantee you, will not be Jesus Christ. Look at 10. Be not a cancer on the earth. Leave room for nature. Leave room for nature. So why are they doing this? If you guys get a chance, look up the Agenda 21 world map. Okay, you're going to find on this map, they've already got the enclosed cities where they want the people to be as slaves and they're going to have big open fields where they will be, you know, where the elite are going to live, okay, in this country, and they're going to have animals everywhere. Trust me, these people don't care about animals because if they did, they wouldn't be spraying chemtrails and trying to inject these animals to kill us. So, you see, they try and get people hung up on nature, and what you find today is people have more respect for nature than they do yeah, people. So you see how the devil can try and desensitize you to let you think that something's good? That's why they had to bring up the lie of global warming. There's no global warming taking place. These people are messing around with the harp system that they have in Gakona, Alaska. They can create hurricanes. They can create tsunamis. They can do all these things that you don't think that they can do. Okay. They have fallen angel technology where they can even have mind control. That's why we must put on the helmet of Jesus Christ and wear that armor, okay? Now, I'm not saying this to frighten people. I'm just trying to bring up this point that the devil has been messing with you and I for a long time. And we must understand what God wants, that we can serve him as righteous individuals for him. 
There's a reason why Jesus didn't want a hand in this. There's a reason why he wasn't impressed with this world because he knew what it belonged to and it would not be beneficial to him fulfilling the will of the father. So now that I got all that stuff out of the way, because I don't want you to think this is what it's gonna be about tonight, we are going to get in how important it is that we serve the Lord. How important that Jesus told his disciples or that woman at the well that, you know, I have meat that you know not of. Because you see, that's where we're gonna put our stock and the Lord's righteousness and all that he plans to give us is going to be fruitful. Now, I know a lot of people try and have freeze-dried foods and they're gonna live somewhere. They already got stuff set up. You know, those things are good to have, but the bottom line is my trust is in Christ. I want to approach it the very same way that Jesus Christ approached it. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You guys don't think this is a good time right now, but for a Christian, I think it's an amazing time because we are going to have faith on steroids. You're going to see God's miracles and these things play out. You're gonna find more people get saved in this time because the devil has put them between a rock and a hard place. This is an exciting time for a Christian and what we can do in Christ because the whole world is going to need us. Now, some people would say you need us. What is that, blasphemous? Jesus said in Matthew 5, you are the light and salt of the earth. And if the salt loses its savor, what good is it other than to be trodden down by the foot of men? So you see, God expects us to do what Jesus Christ did. And I'm telling you, this is what's gonna push your prayers all the way up. This is what's gonna make you cry out to your God and he will respond. This is what's gonna make you put aside all this foolishness that we plan out for our futures when our true future is that we be with Christ. I'm not saying we can't do things that we need to do here, but we must keep in mind that we are married to Jesus. Seek the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. That's gonna ring loud in this time. Why? Because we're going to stay on our knees when we recognize there is no other way. As, as nervous as I might be concerning a lot of this stuff, I know I'm not gonna live the way that I used to live. Praise the Lord, because I will truly be married to Jesus in this time. I won't make a move unless he tells me to move. I'm gonna talk to him every day. I'm gonna spend as much time with him as possible. And my Lord and I, and anyone else that is this way, will be one with their Lord. Finally. Finally, he's taken all the mess out of our lives and got us to the place where they can see what Jesus can do in 2019, okay? I'm trying to give us faith in this situation because you see, there is no hope outside of Jesus. So we must rest on what he wants because he is the truth, the way, and the life, all right? So let's look at Revelation 6. We're still there. And I wanna look right after he says, you know, about this third beast, this, this horse that's going to come, that's going to collapse the economy, that inflation is going to be so much that it may take a whole paycheck to have something for dinner. That's how rough it's going to get. There are some people that have already said, we're not even going to prepare in this time. We're just going to walk around with our guns and take away those things that people have. 
You know, we're just going to do it ourselves. We're going to wait for you to come out of Walmart and we're going to rob you as soon as they see you. But you know what? This is what we must understand about having the mind of Christ. Though they may do this, what did Jesus say? If your neighbor wants your coat, give him your cloak also. The Lord will provide. I'm telling you, it's going to take things like this for us to understand what Jesus was talking about. He is not going to leave us in this time. He's going to strengthen us and he's going to make us be what he wants us to be because we will finally be that free will offering that he always wanted to use. Praise the Lord. So he says in verse seven. Actually, if you go back to verse six. Yeah. What's the name at the end of the, of the oil and the wine? Well, a lot of people got different theories on it. I personally believe that the oil and the wine is God's anointed and those who are full of Christ. A lot of people have other belief systems on it where they believe, you know, the oil and the wine is, you know, other things. But I believe that this is what God is providing for his people, okay, that he's going to sustain the very things that we're talking about. That's what's going to be prepared. Remember when he says, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies, our God will provide. Now, some people believe it's other things. You know, they believe that the rich are going to prosper in this time, maybe for a little while, but they're not going to do it unless they buy or sell. But in every case or account I've ever heard of the oil and the wine, it speaks of the Lord and his anointed and his spirit. Okay, so he's going to sustain his people. The people got many theories on this. You might even find something at the bottom of your Bible saying something else, you know, but that's what I personally believe is going to happen. He says, see that they not be hurt. Okay, but does that mean that he's not going to, um, you know, he won't allow us to suffer persecution? Of course he is. Those things are going to happen. All right. But anyway, look at verse um, seven. He says, and when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard a voice of the fourth beast say, come and see. And I looked and behold a pale horse and he that and his name that sat on him was death and hell followed him and power was given unto him over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword and with hunger and with death and with the beast of the earth. So you understand here that this fourth uh, beast or the one that's riding on this horse is called Thanatos. You see how the devil tries to make jokes about you making that new Avengers movie? Huh? The guy named Thanos that killed everybody? This is the devil trying to make fun of you. But, you know, this is what you would consider the Grim Reaper. He's going to have dominion to claim lives. And you see who's riding behind him? Hell. Hell is going to scoop up what this beast is going to go after and try and destroy. So he says it's going to be with hunger and with sword and with death, and with the beast of the earth. Verse nine says, and when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar of souls, them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. So you see, this is the Christian, you know, it's unfortunate that we're gonna be going into times, but I believe God is gonna do what he needs to do with his people until the appointed time. Trust me, when this thing tips off, you're not going to be worried about living here because you're going to find out that this is not going to be a place for you. It's not even going to be for the unbeliever, but they're going to be so full of demons, you know, that they're just going to be without control. 
So he says, and they cried with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, doth thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were, um, should be fulfilled. So you see, this is something that I believe in this time, it's going to be more real with us than it's ever been before, that we will be heavenly minded. We will seek to be with the Lord and do what the Lord says, okay? We will truly, like I said, in this time, be married to Christ. So, you know, hey, this is what's in our future, you know? and. I, you know, I don't want to make anybody feel weird, but I'm not going to say I'm excited about this time, but I will say is that this, you know, evil has got to come to an end. And if we truly line up with Jesus, then, you know, it should be an honorable thing to live as Jesus lived. You know, I think, like I said, what keeps us kind of thinking like, oh man, all this stuff going on and he ain't said one good thing yet. But the thing is, is that we got to get to that place of, we still want something here. We still love this. But man, at this time, if you're a Christian and you're faithful to Christ, you will be ready to go. Trust and believe me when I tell you, there's a man that died. It was my um uncle, my uncle Kurt. He died for six months. I mean, not for six months, sorry. It'd be nothing but bones there. I would imagine the Lord can resurrect someone, but no, he died, um, you know, for a little while. And, um, you know, the Lord uh, spared his life. And he said before he died that he saw the father and the son. He said he saw two people there. And the Lord, um, you know, he said when he was in their presence, he felt so much love, so much love. He was an unbeliever at the time he died but he felt the love of Christ and the Lord gave him six more months to live. But it was like every atom in his body was ready to explode with God's love. So much so when the Lord told him he had to go back, he didn't want to come back. He wanted to stay there. This is a man with a wife, you know, that loved his wife. But the bottom line is he didn't want to come back because he truly understood what love was. So the Lord gave him six more months to live. He gave his life to the Lord. He lived every day to serve Jesus Christ, and then the Lord took him. But you see, that's the love and mercy of God. But I think in many cases, we don't know what we're missing out on. We think that our treasure is here, but in the presence of God, I mean, I've heard this testimony many times. People don't want to go back. Man, if this is eternal life, this is where I want to be. Man, I want to experience that. <laughs> so anyway, he says, uh, in the stars, uh, where am I? In verse uh, 12, and I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal and lo, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became as blood and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth. Even the fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind and the heaven departed as a scroll and when it is rolled together and every mountain and island were moved out of their places and the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men, these are all the evil men that we're talking about right now. And the chief captains and the mighty men and every bond man and every free man 
hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us to hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. Can you imagine an angry lamb? These guys wanted to actually, you know, ask the rocks to fall on them. Now, I want to bring people's uh, minds to the place of understanding that all these wicked people that are doing wicked things, they all believe in Jesus Christ. All Luciferians and Satanists believe in Jesus Christ. They are living in a world where they're trying to fight against him because that's what their father is telling them. If you go to the Denver airport and many other different sections of this country, you'll find that these people are buried. They've got bunkers miles beneath when all these things stir up because they know that Jesus Christ is real. What they try and convince you and I of is this is not true. You know, there is no God, but yet they're building bunkers for a natural disaster. The only natural disaster that they're preparing for is the coming of Jesus Christ. And it says they're gonna be full of such fear that they're gonna ask for the mountains and rocks to fall on them to hide them from Jesus. So you see, we have read the end of this Bible and we know that we will be victorious in Christ, but we also need to have ourselves sober to the place of recognizing this is not your home. We don't live here. We're passing through. We're doing what we need to do with what God gives us that we can be fine, okay? We'll be okay. So I want to uh, look at something else real quick. Uh, I want to go to Numbers chapter 11 just to um, make a point that we must understand why God wants our hearts and our minds separated from the things that are here, okay? You can live in this world. You can do a lot of things in this world, but he wants us separated from it. Don't think at the coming time that you're just going to get ready when it happens. It won't happen that way for you. We'll be so shook up, okay? And by nature, we'll go and try and save self. And that's not what this is about. This is about fulfilling the will of Jesus Christ. I promise you guys, we're gonna get to all the good stuff in Jesus, but I'm just trying to lay the floor because I want us to understand if our trust is not in Jesus, it will never fulfill what he says, okay? So this is Numbers 11, let's look at verse one. He says, and when the people complained, it displeased the Lord and the Lord heard it and his anger was kindled and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. And the people cried unto Moses, and when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched. And he called the name of the place Tabera, uh, because the fire of the Lord burnt among them. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting, and the children of Israel also wept again and said, who shall give us flesh to eat? So they just got saved by the Lord, okay? Because Moses interceded for them. And instead of them getting down on their knees and praising God, they're now weeping and crying, talking about who's gonna give us flesh to eat. Who do you think? You, so you see, these guys are in the wilderness in a desperate time where they're trying to figure out how will we sustain? So that's important, all right? So look at uh, verse five. We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely 
the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. I mean, these guys remember the whole menu that was going on in Egypt, because you see, this is what they still wanted. So although they were slaves in Egypt, they still remember, man, them savory onions and the garlic, man, and you know, the melons and cucumbers and the fish. That sounds like something you want to get after you leave here. But look, look at verse six. Look at what he says in verse six. But now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. So they didn't even understand. These are people where you could say their heart was their belly, okay? That all they cared about was the appetite. Remember what we talked about uh, last week about not being overcome by your appetite. Because if you are, Solomon says, you may as well put a knife to your throat. When your appetite controls your life, you will seek death and not life. So they weren't happy with what the Lord was doing with the manna and that they were no longer slaves and they escaped the sword of Egypt. They're remembering the menu here. And then they said, now our soul is dried up. Your soul is dried up over a stinking Egyptian menu. Your soul is dried up because you're not eating as good as you used to eat. These guys have lost sight of the fact that they were slaves. Okay, so look at this in verse seven. And the manna was um, as coriander seed and the color thereof, of the color of uh, delium or bedelium, I believe it's delium. And he says, and the people went about and gathered it and ground it in mills and beat it in for mortar or in a mortar and baked in the pans and made cakes of it and the taste of it was as the taste of fresh oil. And when the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell upon it. And Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent. And the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. Moses also was displeased. So they couldn't even understand grace. You know, this is what the Israelites passed up when Jesus came. They didn't even understand while he was telling those people, I'm the bread of life. They sought for more. They were so worried about their empty stomachs and what they can sustain in the here and now that they had forgotten about God's sustenance. The fact that God took care of them where they were. And he promised them another land. He promised them a land that they would go into. He never said the wilderness was their home. But as you can see, they still were tempted in the wilderness, like many of us are tempted in the world today. So Moses is displeased and the Lord is greatly, um, his anger is kindled. Was someone gonna say something? Yeah, Christina. Um, I was just gonna say, uh, kind of interesting looking at this, a lot of this could have been um, prevented, um, like their soul being dry and then lusting off of um, food if they had just um, continued to have faith and belief in the Lord. You know, That's I feel right. like there's a lot of unbelief here. No, you're absolutely right. And then when you don't understand the purpose of Jesus Christ in your life, you will go after that food of Egypt and what Egypt wants. You must understand Jesus is the treasure. Mm -hmm. Look at verse 11, verse 11, huh? And he makes absolutely. <laughs> this is verse 11. And Moses said unto the Lord, Wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant? And wherefore have I not found favor in thy sight? 
that thou layest the burden of all this people upon me. So Moses is ready to, you know, throw in the towel. Lord, if this is a blessing, you know, I don't understand how we can be with these people, you know? So look at verse 12. Uh, Have I conceived all this people? Have I begotten them? That thou shouldest say unto me, carry them in thy bosom as a nursing father beareth the suckling child unto the land which thou swearest unto their fathers. When should I have flesh uh, to give unto all this people? But they weep unto me saying, give us flesh that we may eat. You wanna know something interesting too? They didn't say give us meat. They said, give us flesh. The Lord's trying to tell us something here. Do you want the spirit or do you want the flesh? You see what they're seeking after? Praise the Lord for his understanding. So he says, um, look at verse 14. I am not able to bear all this people alone because it is too heavy for me. And if thou deal thus with me, uh, kill me, I pray thee out of the hand, if I have favor found in thy sight and let me not see my wretchedness. And the Lord said unto Moses, gather me, gather unto me 70 men of the elders of Israel whom thou knowest to be the elders of the people, uh, the officers over them, and bring them unto the tabernacle of the congregation that they may stand there with thee. Now, why are we going here? Because what we talked about with this black horse riding, this is how many of us may feel in the not too distant future, okay? So this is something that he's showing them how God is working with them and how we can find ourselves longing for things that are not of him. Look at verse 17, and I will come down and talk with thee there, and I will take of the spirit which is upon thee, and I will put it upon them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with thee that thou bear it uh, thyself alone, or not thyself alone. So the Lord has given Moses help. He put 70 elders under Moses. He put his spirit, the same spirit he put in Moses, he's going to put in of the elders. So Moses is gonna have some help here. Look at verse 18, and say thou unto the people, sanctify yourselves against tomorrow and ye shall eat flesh. For ye have wept in the ears of the Lord saying, who shall give us flesh to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt. Therefore the Lord will give you flesh and ye shall eat. So notice he told them, to sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. Does that mean the next day? No, that's like um, in the coming days that God wants to use us. Why did the five wise virgins stay filled and the five foolish virgins began to lack? Because they lost sight of the coming of Jesus Christ. So he's telling them there, sanctify yourselves, depart from the things that are of Egypt. God is going to provide for them, but he wants them sanctified. Verse 19 says, ye shall not eat one day, nor two days, nor five days, neither 10 days, nor 20 days, but even a whole month until it come out of your nostrils and it be loathsome unto you because that ye have despised the Lord, which is among you and have wept before him saying, Why came we forth out of Egypt? So it's funny that we understand here that the Lord is gonna give them what they want. You never want the Lord to give you what you want. If the Lord gives you what you want, 
It's a curse. I'm not saying God can't give you the desires of your heart, but they've got to match up with his plan for you. But if God ever gives you what you want, it's a curse. Because if it's what you want, that doesn't mean it's what God wants. So God is going to do for them what Jesus did to Judas. He dipped his hand in the sop with the bread or the meat, whatever he had, that morsel, and he gave Judas his portion. Judas wanted 30 pieces of silver. Judas, Judas didn't want to serve the Lord. You could pretty much say Judas wanted flesh to eat. Why would you give up salvation for, some, for 30 pieces of silver? He wanted to walk in the flesh, not the spirit, okay? So anyway, he says in verse uh, 21, and Moses said the people among whom I am are 600,000 footmen, and thou hast said, I will give them flesh that they may eat of they may eat a whole month. Now notice the people that are asking, look at the number. There's 600,000. What was made on the sixth day? Man and beast. So you see, they wanted the flesh and beast will go after things of the flesh. But how convenient is it that it's 600,000 people here? Praise the Lord. So anyway, he says in verse 22, shall the flocks of the herds be slain for them to suffice them? Or shall uh, all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to suffice them? And the Lord said unto Moses, is the Lord's hand waxed short? Thou shalt now, thou shalt see now whether my word shall come to pass unto thee or not. So the Lord is saying, is my hand waxed short? Did you think Jesus thought that his father's hand was short when he went into places where they had nothing? This is what God is trying to show you and I. His hand isn't cut short. The Lord is the same today, yesterday, and forever. God will provide. Although you don't want this provision right here. But he says in verse 24, and Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord and gathered the 70 men of the elders of the people and set them round about the tabernacle. And the Lord came down in a cloud and spake unto him and took of the spirit that was upon him and gave it to the 70 elders. And it came to pass that when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied and did not cease. So, you know, this is what's so awesome because this is kind of an early, um, thing, you know, where you remember in Joel 2, it talks about that when the spirit will be poured upon all flesh, that young men would dream dreams and the old men would see visions or vice versa. But this is talking about the coming of the spirit. Those who were with Moses, they have the spirit. Now let's look at the other people in verse 26. But there remained two of the men in the camp. The name of one was Eldad and the name of the other Medad. And the spirit rested upon them and they were of them that were written, but went not un out unto the tabernacle and they prophesied in the camp. Sarah, can you get the name of Medad and uh, Eldad? I know we did a teaching on this a while back, but it, I just want to know names. When things get that kind of close, you know, and you see names, like, man, what do these names mean? Look at verse 27. And there ran a young man and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad do prophesy in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Moses, 
uh, one of his young men answered and said, my Lord Moses, forbid them. And Moses said unto him, envious thou for my sake, would God that all the Lord's people uh, were prophets and the Lord would put his spirit upon them. So Moses is saying, don't get, you know, feeling this way for me that these guys are prophesying. So Joshua thought they were doing Moses a disservice and trying to take over. And Moses is saying, you're envying for me? You guys don't know what I go through day in and day out, okay? So I welcome the help that the Lord wants to give me, okay? So this is interesting. Sarah, what are their names? It's Eldad with Mr. Good, John Hebrew 419. God has loved. Mm -hmm. And then Medad is uh, Medad, Hebrew 43, 12, love. Do they just mean love? Love. So it's God has loved and love. Okay, so God has loved. And these people, yeah. All right, so if there's anything more in it, I'm sure the Lord will give it to us. Thanks, Sarah. Mm -hmm. So he says he wished that all the people were prophets. And you see, this is God's desire for his people. Instead of sitting around worrying about your circumstances and what you have and don't have, why don't you get about the Lord's business? So he may use you as an apostle, as a prophet, as a pastor, as a teacher, or an evangelist to do what? Perfect the saints to do the work of the ministry to edify the body of Christ. This is what we should be concerned about, God's business. Forget yours. Your business is not going past the grave. Get into what God wants and you'll find that he'll meet every need on the outside. Remember, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and these things will be added. What I recognize is I don't have any more. Well, I may have some problems, but I don't have the stress around them that, you know, hey, God will provide. That's all I know. You want to know what's in the morning paper and I'm the one that's writing it? God will provide headlines. That's all I know. Jesus Christ will do what he says he will do. Get about his business. Verse 30, and Moses got him into the camp and the elders of Israel. And there went forth a wind from the Lord and brought quails from the sea and let them all, and let them, let them fall, sorry, by the camp as it were a day's journey on this side and as it were a day's journey on the other side. Round about the camp as it were two cubits high upon the face of the earth. So man, these guys have got quail. A day's journey walk to the east and the west and two cubits high, that's probably about what, four feet? You know, almost four feet? So these guys got all the quail they can get. God is good, huh? God is good. You see, were they dead? Or were they alive? I believe they were dead, but God wanted them to eat what they have. Wow, you got something with that? Or? No, I was uh -oh. just trying to get a visual. Mm -hmm. so. <laughs> I believe that it was already fried, deep fried, ready to go. This is what they want. This is what they're going to have. And God provided everything that they would need. Now, maybe they did have to cook it. But you see, they want their heaven in the wilderness. So God was kind. He said, hey, man, I may as well give you what your appetite deserves. So you'll never ask me for anything else. Look at verse 32. And the people stood up in that day and that night and all the next day, and they gathered the quails. He that gathered a uh, least gathered 10 homers, and they spread them all abroad uh, for themselves round about the camp. 
So, man, these guys are packing it up day and night, man. They are shopping. They're getting everything that they need so they won't have to worry. But verse 33 says, and while the flesh was yet between their teeth, ere it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord smote the people with the, with a very great plague. So while they had the meat between their teeth before they could even enjoy it, the Lord smote the people with a great plague. They never even got to chew the food. So this is what we must understand, that their pleasure was limited, okay, to maybe a day and a half. That's all it was. This is what they wanted, and this is what they got from it. They finally got to taste the quail that was in the world, um, and that was the last thing that they ever ate. You don't want to fool around with God. You want what God wants, because this is equivalent to a person receiving the mark of the beast. I'm not going to go the whole journey with Christ. I'm going to sell in my chips now and get while the getting is good. And you know, if you accept the mark, you're damned forever. So they didn't want the relationship. They didn't want God sustaining. They didn't want God's plan for the will, for the, uh, the, the promised land. They wanted what they had. Look at verse 34. And he called the name of that place Kibroth and Hatava and Hatava uh, because they because there they buried the people that lusted. And the people journeyed from Kibroth and Hatava and uh, Hazaroth and abode at Hazaroth. So as you can see, you want to be full of what God wants. You don't want any residue of Egypt in you because by nature, you will long for things that are not of Christ and you're gonna give yourself over to the beast. Yeah, bro. I think we talked about this before mm -hmm. a few months ago or something. Like a year ago. Yeah. Was it a year ago? Mm -hmm. Just having three numbers. And mm -hmm. really, they didn't really know their laws because God said that if you find an animal that's already dead or if you kill an animal, you got to eat it by that evening. Mm -hmm. So all these quails dropped. They kept collecting over the next day. Mm -hmm. So if they would have just picked one and ate it before the evening, mm -hmm. you know, it would have been good. So it's like, again, they don't follow the law. They don't believe in them. And... They also, they're, they're Great point that Martin brought up, and they were also led by their appetite. appetite their right. appetite even took them beyond what God wanted. And that's what can happen to you and I when we seek things aside from God. Your appetite will pull you in areas that are against God, so much so that you'll violate God's law just to have it. I guarantee you there'll be plenty of Christians in this time that will have guns in their hands that will be out robbing other people to take care of their families. And they're gonna say, God is okay with that because I've got to, so I've got to provide. But see, a Christian is gonna live by what God commands him, regardless of what the circumstances look like. We're not gonna be driven to the place of stealing because we're gonna trust in the living God. Great point by Martin, okay? So I wanna move on. Let's go to Matthew 24. I wanna go to Matthew chapter 24, and we're gonna begin at verse one. I do actually want to play a video, though, of um, this guy that's talking about the economy and where it's going. You know, he brings up a good point. You guys won't be able to see this on video, but hopefully you'll hear it, you know, for the people that listen. But this is called the longest U.S. government shutdown in history, what it means for you. And this is by uh, Truth Unveiled 777. 
Okay, I don't know this guy, or I believe it's a guy, but um, here's the part that it's gonna say. Uh, you guys have to understand why I said that. I'm not trying to be funny, but you know. All right, so I'm gonna play this real quick. You guys listen to this. Truth unveiled here, keeping you updated with the latest. And today we're going to be updating you about the government shutdown and letting you know that it's now a record. It's now the longest in U.S. history. But not only that, we're also going to be keeping you updated and telling you how this affects not only you, but also your children and also your families and also when it comes to certain benefits. And even how this can impact the rest of the world, because if you don't think that this is impacting your neck of the woods, it's time to think again. Because now I'm here at a report from Business Insider that says, from airport lines to food inspections, here are all the ways the government shutdown is impacting the lives. As of right now, the shutdown is now officially in its 24th day, meaning that it's now well into the fourth week of the shutdown. Now, while the shutdown does not close the entire federal government, however, it does still impact the slew of agencies, including the Departments of Agriculture, Commerce, Justice, Homeland Security, Interior, State, Transportation, Housing, and Urban Development. This means that the shutdown directly affects the families of around 800,000 federal employees who are either working without pay or are forced to stay home on furlough. But beyond the struggles that those federal employees are going through, average Americans who do not work for the government are also likely to see some strains along with the rest of the world. Because if America is impacted, well, guess what? So is the rest of the world. Could this be leading up to what? The beginning of the shutdown, the beginning of the collapse of the dollar. Because this is what? Longer lines at airports, fewer food safety inspections, even though we know the real agenda of the USDA and alphabet soups and the buildup of trash in national parks are only a few ways that the government shutdown is taking its toll. Not only that, but what has already started as a result of this riots and protests protesting. Do you see what this is leading up to? The purge right in front of us. Now, here is a list that we're briefly going to go over, and I'm also going to be bringing in a few more resources and articles talking about these things also as we continue to go along. Now, I will be sure to link this in the description box below so you can take a look at it on your own time. But again, this is what they're telling us. We know that it could be much worse than what they're telling us. And again, they're trying to pacify the sleeping public. But according to them, they claim that around 800,000 Americans who are employed by the government are currently furloughed or working without pay until the shutdown ends. Well, according to Trump and according to your government, it could go on for years. Again, we'll have to see and we'll be keeping you updated as to the length of the government shutdown but let's just assume according to them that it did go on for years now what does that mean for people who are in these jobs who are not getting paid because of them could it lead to more buildup and rioting and protesting what will it mean for these people Tens of thousands of employees working without pay are in law enforcement departments, including the FBI, Customs and Border Protection, and the Secret Service. And we've already gone over that in previous videos about the TSA also and how the TSA has been affected with the workers there too. Again, the question is, if this keeps going on without pay, what is this going to lead up to? What is this going to mean for airports? 
One option is that, well, the quality of security may be slipping according to them. But what could this mean? Is this leading up to what? More planned stage chaos all throughout the nation. And again, remember what we talked about in the previous video. It is a slow but sure thing. It's not going to happen all at once. But that doesn't mean that things are not happening. That does not mean that the pot is not brewing because, oh, indeed, it is. When it comes to air pilots and air traffic control, this has also been affected because it says here air pilots unions have also warned that air traffic controllers are working without pay and the shutdown could make flying less safe. And then it goes on to say at the FAA or the Federal Aviation Administration, there are fewer safety inspectors that are needed in order to ensure that air traffic control infrastructure is performing at its peak levels of performance. And this is according to the president of the ALPA that was addressed in a letter to Trump. Also known as the Airline Pilots Association International. Now, again, why is this so important? Because, again, if people are trying to travel, if you're trying to make travel arrangements all over the nation, and if, keyword, if things were to get worse with the government shutdown, as your government is even saying, well, then what would this mean? How would you be able to get from one city to thing? an urban development cannot go out risking thousands of evictions? Now, again, this is just what they're telling us on the surface. Thousands of evictions, meaning a ton of people could be evicted due to this government shutdown if it were to continue and should it continue. But could this lead into the tens of thousands? What about the hundreds of thousands? What about stage rioting? Because what happens when you can no longer get certain food or certain products or certain items from the grocery store anymore when it comes to other shutdowns if the banks were to shut down or anything else, as we've talked about in previous videos, as your government has been doing and conducting series of tests when it comes to the ATM outages along with the shortages. And not only that, but when it comes to this also, where it says many food inspections done by the FDA have ceased, which experts, according According to them, say could increase the risk of a food poisoning outbreak, even though the FDA is responsible for food poisoning. But let's keep going. Don't you see where this is leading up to? It's leading up to what? Supply and demand. Food prices are going to skyrocket real soon if the government shutdown continues, along with other things such as household items, toiletries, and etc. And so what that means is people who cannot afford these things or people who have been laid off from their jobs who are no longer working working or no longer getting income because of this could be affected. And if they cannot get food for their families because all of these prices are skyrocketing along with gas prices and etc., what do you think that's a recipe for? If they're already going to be evicting certain people, that means rent prices could in fact go up too. It's all a major test indeed. Now, here's one of the important ones as we've gone over before, because this could also affect your children, too, because this says here the approximately 40 million people, which is about an eighth of America, by the way, who receive SNAP benefits, also known as food stamps, will only be able to get benefit through the next month if the shutdown continues. That means by the time it gets to March, if the government is shut down for another six weeks and we're already going into the fourth one, well, then that means that what people will no longer be able to get their food stamps, but could this affect lunchroom programs for children too? According to this report, schools' child nutrition programs are to stay funded through March, so within the next two months, despite the shutdown.
Now pay careful attention to this next part because while SNAP and the Child Nutrition Program are safe for now, other food programs under the USDA's purview are not because it says here some of them are not even receiving funding. The programs that are no longer receiving USDA funds include the Commodity Supplemental Food Program, a program focusing on low-income seniors, the Special Supplemental Nutrition Program for Women, Infants, and Children, and the Food Distribution Program on Indian reserves or Indian reservations and Indian reservations are being affected big time by this government shutdown when it comes to funds. And I'm going to share that with you in a moment to come. Not only that, but 95% of the staff at the Office of Food and Nutrition Services, which oversees SNAP benefits and other food programs, is now on furlough and no longer receiving pay. And as we just read, when it comes to the child nutrition program, that means lunch for children if they're on these programs. Well, if the government shutdown continues all the way through the spring, well, then guess what? They're not able to receive these programs anymore. What will this mean for schools also? What will this mean when it comes to children as well? And even the prices of food during that time, should the government remain under a record shutdown? And speaking of some of the Native American tribes, funding for many Native American tribes has been cut off, including for the Indian Health Service. Funding for health clinics, food pantries, and road maintenance on many Native American reservations has been cut off. The Department of Health and Human Services Indian Health Service is also not receiving funds. Again, it's going what? It's a slow but sure process. Soon enough, it's going to start affecting everybody else. Real estate could also be affected because according to this, it says the government is delaying some economic data releases such as the trade deficit. The Department of Commerce's Bureau of Economic Analysis and Census Bureau are unable to release economic data due to the lack of funding. So stats like the trade deficit, new home sales, and inflation are unavailable for the duration according to them. And that's another thing that during the shutdown, some of the government websites are also not going to be updating their websites and we're going to be taking a look at that in just a moment to come. The U.S. Forest Service is unable to prepare for the upcoming fire season. The Forest Service and other federal land management agencies typically use the winter months to clear debris from forests, conduct control burns, and train new firefighters, even though we've gone over on this channel how a lot of this is due to what DEWs or direct energy weapons, microwaves, and lasers. Then it goes on to say these activities help reduce the severity of wildfires in the warmer months and prepare for the fire season. What problem? reaction solution but that work is ceased during the shutdown now a ton of national parks are closed which means they've closed campgrounds to visitors to prevent facilities like trash sites and toilets from overflowing also and because these parks are not open, well, what does that mean? That means there's going to be a lot of trash everywhere also unless volunteers clean up after themselves National monuments are also going to be closed, such as the Gateway Arch to the National Zoo, also the Liberty Bell, and etc. Now, when it comes to Social Security disability checks and things like Medicare, they claim that it's unaffected by the shutdown and that it only affects funds that are appropriated by Congress on an annual basis. So this means Social Security is paid for by permanent funding. Therefore, the checks still go out despite the shutdown. But although that's the case, well, if the shutdown were to continue, what if they decided to delay these checks? What if anything happened where they decided to say, you 
you know what? They're not going to send them out after all. What will that mean for you and the rest of your family then? What about when it comes to disability pays and GI Bill benefits and other so-called benefits? What about this? Well, according to task and purpose, this says, like retiree pay, VA disability pay and GI Bill payments are both funded throughout different legislation Then, is at risk on the Hill. For that reason, those checks are unlikely to be affected by a brief shutdown. Notice how it says brief, though. However, during the last shutdown in 2013, VA officials warned that if the closure extended beyond several weeks, which this one has so far, disability checks were unlikely to go out to more than 5.1 million veterans. Did you hear that? Again, so while some people might be receiving pay now, the question is, will this remain and will this last? How long will this last? Should the government shutdown last months or even years, according to Trump and according to your government? Again, we'll have to stay updated with that. But now I'm at the website with military benefits that says how a government shutdown will impact the military community. And it talks about military pay where salaries for 1.3 million service members of the Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marine Corps are not affected by the latest government shutdown because the DOD had its full fiscal year funding approved as of last fall. And then it talks about how the banks, although not affected during the shutdown, many financial institutions that support current and former service members will offer advance pay or assistance. But let me ask you this. What if the banks were to shut down too? Then what does that mean? If the banks were to shut down, how are you getting your money out of the banks? Then would they have to enact and institute bail-ins as we've gone over on this network? What does that really mean? Because then it goes on to talk about that and what it means for those in the military, along with retired and survivor benefit plan pay. And while they would still receive their pension checks as the funding for these benefits is not tied to Congress's funding bill, again, what if they were to any way try to stop this from happening or what if there were to be something else that could try to preclude it okay i'm not gonna um you guys get the point but i'm not gonna give on hopes and you know what ifs i'm telling you guys what's going to happen okay the bible already says it and this is what's going to go down so we got to keep in mind if that is your god then you already found out what's getting ready to happen to your god the one that I'm looking for is the one in heaven that will endure forever, that will meet every need that we have, okay? But uh, before we go to Matthew 24, I believe the Lord's answer, okay, to dealing with this is getting about his business and what ways we're going to talk about. Now, let's go to Proverbs. Hold where you are, Matthew 24. Let's go to Proverbs 28, and let's look at verse uh, 27. Proverbs 28 and 27, because some people would ask me, well, now that you know this, why are you still doing the things that you're doing? Shouldn't you be saving money? Shouldn't you be doing all this other stuff? Let's see. All right, Proverbs 28. And let's look at verse 27. All right, look what it says. He that giveth unto the poor shall not lack, but he that hideth his eyes shall have many a curse. When the wicked rise, men hide themselves, but when they perish, uh, the righteous increase. So as you can see, God is going to do away with evil.
But I personally believe if you get about God's business and you take care of what God says, God will provide for you. Now you're not giving because of this, you're giving out of love for your neighbor. That's what this whole thing is about. This is not about us. We're gonna hit a few other points and go into this. Look at Proverbs 14, guys. Proverbs chapter 14. And it ain't just poor. It's not just contributing to this ministry. Where do you see the need for God to do what he wants you to do? It ain't about this. This is about pleasing the Lord. Proverbs 14, let's look at verse 31. Proverbs 14 and 31 says, he that oppresseth the poor reproacheth his maker. You make God upset, but he that honoreth him hath mercy on the poor. Okay, so I believe if we honor God and we do what God says, God will take care of you. I'm not saying do all this in one shot, but where you see the need, where you can tell things are going on, take care of people because you and I are only an economy away from joining them in the streets. So we better think about this because I believe a lot of homeless people are just gonna tell you, hey man, you need to come over here. This is where you go. This is where we hide out. When they start looking for you and I, where they live is gonna be our dwelling. So we better think about this stuff. Proverbs 22, guys, let's look at verse nine, just to hit a few points. Proverbs 22 and nine, he says, he that hath a bountiful eye shall be blessed, for he giveth of his bread to the poor. You know, so this is telling the Lord, this is the Lord telling us that God will provide for you. I know some people, I probably lost half my audience already because some people are not gonna give to anybody, but you see, giving is a spirit, giving is a nature. Do you realize when the Lord, um, in, uh, in, in the book of Acts, four, five, or three, four, two, three, and four, and five. When they gave and they all ate with singleness of heart, the Holy Ghost fell on the church and added to it daily. This is all a part of, you know, winning souls and trying to get people to come unto Christ. So Proverbs 21, let's look at verse 13. And it says, whoso stoppeth his ears at the cry of the poor, he also shall cry himself but shall not be heard. I don't want that to be me because we're going into a place of mourning and crying. We've got to start looking after people. And that's what James 2 talks about. James says, you know, when people come into your restaurant or wherever you work or whatever you do, and you see that the person is well-dressed and he's got some money, you give him your finest seat. But you see, when the poor comes in, you want to oppress him and tell him he shouldn't even be in here. But it made clear in that chapter, God is no respecter of persons. So he says, don't the poor, you know, if you, you got more in common with the poor than you do with the rich. He said, don't the rich oppress you? Don't they do all these things to you? Don't they feel like you're not even worthy to be with them? So what problem should you have with the poor? You share more with him than you do with the world. Okay, read James 2, because I don't want to misquote it. But if anybody can find that scripture and want to quote it, please do. But the point he's making of, you give your allegiance to the rich who cares nothing about you when the poor is your brother that is in need. He's the same thing as you. He's a debt slave. 
We're just a deceived debt slave, okay? But there's no difference there. He recognizes what I'm doing is making the devil rich, okay? And what we don't even realize is he pushes the American dream and he tells us, build upon your future. You guys want to know what your future is? I just read it to you, okay? That's what's going down the pipe. If we don't invest in Jesus, hey, the Bible's already speaking for itself. Proverbs 31, guys, let's look at uh, verse 20. Yes, sir. Uh, whoever wants to, Deborah actually talks louder than you, so and she wants to. Uh, it's in, yeah, James 2, you said, and then it's in verse, um, we can go to verse 5. Mm -hmm. Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are you not the rich, the ones who oppress you, and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? Amen. <laughs> Amen. You know, that's the whole point. I wasn't trying to disregard you, but I know that many times, because Sarah talks really low, you can't really hear her, but Deborah sings, so it's just like it just comes out. There's a few voices that you can hear and hear when they speak. One is Christina, Laura, and Deborah, everybody else's voice, believe it or not, unless you're up close, you can't really hear everybody's voice. I know they say they hear my big mouth too, but I'm just saying <laughs> in general, there, there's certain voices that pierce straight through that you can really hear. So you see, we got more in common with the poor than we do with the rich. We can't lose sight of what God wants. Proverbs 20 and let's look at verse, I mean, 31 and look at verse 20. He, oh, this is about the virtuous woman, he says. She stretches out her hand to the poor, yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. So you see a virtuous woman is a giving woman, all right? Proverbs 29, let's look at verse seven. We're getting ready to get off this. But Proverbs 29 and verse seven says what? The righteous considereth the cause of the poor, but the wicked regardeth not to know it. So you see, I'm not saying give everything to the poor. Jesus commanded the rich man to do that. But the point is, is that we've got to look after those who are in need. When we are givers, God will give. I can be, I can tell you up front that this is how it goes. I remember, man, there was a time I'm struggling. Like when we started the homeless ministry, I love to tell this because a lot of it came out of, you know, my own money, you know, just doing what I could. And that began to dwindle and things began to dwindle. People began to back out. And the Lord is just, you got this? Here you go. Go do it. Go take care of it. I don't even have to think about it. The Lord provides. So that told me in so many different ways that God is in favor of what we're doing. Okay. And that's something that I know that God's word is true. You know, look at Proverbs uh, 21 and 26. And guys, we'll go right into Matthew 24. Proverbs 21 uh, and 26. Okay, it says, he covereth, uh, he coveteth greedily all the day long, but the righteous giveth and spareth not. So you see, this is what Jesus wants. I believe God backs giving. I'm not saying if someone's on drugs badly and they're asking for money, I'm not saying to give it to them. You use the discernment of the spirit to know what's what, because you may give that person money and kill them. But one thing they won't do is not eat food, okay? They will eat 
food or whatever. You know, Anna puts together nice little packages, packets that she has, because I want to mention this too. And you know, it's like toiletries and things, blankets, hats, whatever. And these people take them in and they're they're praising God. And that's all we want them to do. Because you and I are just vessels. Sarah had went into a um, you know, what was it, a store like a a discount store just to go and see how much these things are. These people are donating things for cheap prices or almost free, some things free, to make sure that Sarah has something to bring on Wednesdays to give to them. Anna and I went into a store. Um, we went into uh, Winco and uh, we were talking to a woman and she sees the sandwiches and things that we bring out. So she said, well, who's all this food for? And I said, you know, we feed the homeless and do whatever. And uh, the woman said, my husband and I, we just got finished doing that, you know, or whatever. So I said, you know, if you guys have any spare blankets or things like that, they would be appreciated to contribute. The woman told us, well, my husband is the boss of the Salvation Army. You guys go down there and see if he can hook you up with some things. We didn't go yet, but that's the plan. But as you can see, God is a giver. God will provide and support the things that he wants. So it seems like this thing is just growing. Sam and Deborah, you know, been coming out with us and they've been, you know, providing and, you know, looking out and helping and God is moving. Martin came out there with us before. And, you know, if anybody wants to help and contribute, then so be it. If not, contribute where you are. This is not about contributing to Sound of Trumpet Ministries. This is about doing the will of God so that you will be seen right in God's eyes, okay? So that's super important. Let's go to Matthew 24 and let's uh, get ready to wrap this thing up. Well, you got something? No. Well, I had it, you know, I had it placed and then I lost it. When you lost it, yeah. So you see, God is going to support that which his heart is. Don't put your trust in your riches, okay? It will not help you. I guarantee you it'll be there for now. But all they have to tell us is, guys, we're going cashless. And by the way, we know you're a Christian and um, your money's no good here. Neither is your information in this computer. Now what? We're going well, we to bring them in the trial? They would love for you to go to court to try and go against them so they can arrest you on site and put you where they want you to be. Our trust has got to be in the living God. Even for that woman that made the comment about what they plan on doing, she her whole mindset was, we got to bring these people to justice in a court of law. Do you not understand the seven heads and 10 horns controls the court of law? Your trust is in Jesus Christ, okay? Because the Bible tells us that they, that they overcome the dragon by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and that they love not their lives unto the death. That's a Christian's life, and that's how we're going to overcome. But if you're worried about sustaining you, when you go dry, you'll be surprised who'll support you. That's one thing you never forget is who you owe money to and who owes you. That's something that I don't care if you live to be a thousand, you never forget who you owe, or you never forget who owes you. All right, this is Matthew 24, guys. Let's look at verse one. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came to him for to shew him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, see ye not all these things. Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another 
that shall not be thrown down. So what was Jesus doing here? Trying to get their minds wrapped up in eternal life. They're sitting there looking at the temple and all the trappings upon it. Jesus said, you see this garbage? Not one stone will be left upon another. Why? Because he wanted their minds back where they need to be seeking him. And he was right, 70 AD, you know, the temple was destroyed. And I'll tell you something about the people that are planning and plotting what they're doing today. They're following the path of the Romans and the Babylonians and the Egyptians. What they did to Jerusalem at this time, this is well recorded in the book of Josephus. And we're gonna go through some things here that Jesus knew about. But Jesus said, um, but, but Josephus said that what they did around Masada, that area that was um, around Jerusalem, that the Romans, they dug a trench all the way around it and they waited out there for seven years. And if anyone from Jerusalem tried to go out, they killed them. And if anyone tried to bring food in, they killed them. So you, now you guys are beginning to understand why Trump wants that wall. It's got nothing to do with keeping out the Mexicans, okay? The Mexicans are the least of your concerns. What they're trying to do is set up their new world order. But anyway, they dug a trench around it and they waited for seven years. And what they found was the people began to fight against themselves. Even the zealots who were the mighty men that wanted to fight and all that, they didn't start fighting the Romans. They started robbing each other and taking things from each other. This situation got so bad that when the Romans did come in and take over, they came into a room where a woman was, where she was breastfeeding, okay? And she, uh, you know, said her child has no right to live, doesn't want her child being in this. She killed her baby and she was roasting it. She, she um, was roasting half of it and saved half so that she could eat later. When the, when the Roman soldiers saw this, I mean, they like, they had no idea that it was going to get that bad. And that's why when you hear this, when Jesus says, woe unto them that give suck in those days and are with child, Jesus knew what was coming for Jerusalem and what's coming in the future. And this is what these people are going to try to do. Now, I wanna bring your minds to another part in the book of Josephus. I actually have the information and we read it before, but. At the time, these people understood what Matthew 24 says in Luke 21 and Mark 13. These people were supposed to run and flee. Jesus said, when you see Jerusalem compassed with armies, get out of there, okay? But some people in that day, the Romans hired false prophets. There was one false prophet that told the people, don't have anything to worry about. God is gonna deliver us. He's gonna get us out of here. He's gonna take care of everything. And the people, like the ones who believed Jesus fled, the ones who, who didn't want to hear any negativity, God will do it all. When they stayed, they ended up in that situation. And, and Josephus couldn't understand why would they leave or not leave when the signs were so evident that day. But what the false prophet was able to do was to get your minds thinking about what you want to hear. That's a dangerous place to have in your mind and in your heart what you want to hear. Because when you hear what you want to hear and what's beneficial for you, you'll disregard the words of God. And that's something that we've got to cling to. Let his heart be ours. Let his desire become ours. Because he said, you know, 
Remember when he told them, when you leave, man, don't go back to your rooftop. Don't go and take anything out of your house. Get going, that he would provide for them. But this is just a summary of what we're going to read and what the Lord is talking about. And by the way, bro, they got a kill switch. I'm glad you brought that up. Any car pre-84 is without it. But every car from 84 and beyond has a kill switch. So even if you got enough gas, <laughs> even if you got enough gas in your car, they can kill the switch and lock you in your car. So don't think that's a way of means to escape. We've got to trust in the living God. Yes, Sarah. It's funny you say that, Sam, because there was, um, when I was driving, when I was still driving, mm -hmm. I would pass by some school buses, there would be interference in my radio. Uh -huh. I passed by the school buses. So oh, yeah. Got them on that's Yours because like, probably fine. the ham radio. There's a <laughs> uh, ham radio in every school bus. Yeah. But, man, there's a... Well, there's cameras and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's really weird they do that. So some people may, you know, not like some of these messages, but we've got to cling to the Lord because a false prophet will feed you unto your own nature. He's going to give you the quail in the wilderness, just like they wanted to receive. You know, how can the end time message be the wrong message when that's where everything is going to conclude? The end time message is the right message because your life can end tonight. And you've got to be in that right standing with Christ and what he wants. I don't want to go there hoping and wishing. I want to stand before the Lord and say, you know, hear the Lord say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I'm not going to go there wondering if he remembers some of the deeds I've done. I want to go out in a blaze of glory, full of the spirit, doing what God says to do. All right. So this is Matthew 24. This is uh, verse uh, three. And he sat upon the Mount of Olives. Uh, the disciples came unto him privately saying, tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? So they asked Jesus three questions and he's gonna answer them. Jesus answered and said unto them, take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. So we understand here, that's how that false prophet was able to get in. Jesus knew that these people were gonna come and his biggest thing was be not deceived. Then he says, ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. That's the red horse. See that ye be not troubled for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet and nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, that's war. And there shall be famines, there's the black horse, and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. So Jesus named the horses, he named everything right here that they were going to endure in the last days, not just in 70 AD, but what would come after that. So he's telling them that, you know, all these things are the beginning of sorrows. He says, then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. So we must understand, guys, although we're one here in Christ as brothers and sisters, if you want something more than God, you will turn somebody in. 
I know we say we love each other here. That'll never happen. I'm telling you, if you have not dismissed that treasure that you seek in your heart, going after the flesh, you will try and save your life. That's what's going to happen. And this is why we've got to get full of Christ. He says, many will betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many will wax cold or shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end shall be saved. So we understand that the Lord is expecting us to endure all of this. Now, you remember when you get to Revelation 13 and it says, with all he that kills with the sword must be killed with the sword and all that stuff. And then it says, here is the patience and the faith of the saints. You go to Revelation 17, those who are with Christ are called, chosen, and faithful. So God is expecting us to be faithful even when we don't have, even when things are, you know, they do all this stuff that they plan on doing. God still commands us to remain faithful. And what does that tell us? That he is going to continue to be faithful to you and I. He will provide. That's the God we serve. Verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world and unto all nations, and then the end shall come. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, stand ye in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Now you remember in Daniel 8 was the abomination of desolation. That's when they were taken over by Antiochus Epiphanes and the Greeks. They resurrected or they erected an altar for Zeus in the holiest place, in the holy place. And then they took a pig and sacrificed the, um, the pig in the holy place and sprinkled it on the mercy seat. Now that's an abomination of desolation. What was the second one? The second one was when the Romans ransacked Jerusalem and destroyed the temple and, and pretty much took away everything that was in Jerusalem. The third and final abomination of desolation will be Satan in you, the world in you, being those people that have given themselves over to the beast. We are the temple of the living God. And if this temple gets violated, by the spirit of Antichrist, and it seeks the flesh more than the spirit, this will be the final abomination of desolation. Everybody's waiting for that third temple. That's gonna be a deception, all right? No one's gonna wait on CNN for a man to go into the temple and declare himself to be God. The spirit of Antichrist is already working, and he's waiting to sit inside of you to say that I am God. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about a third temple. The Antichrist will be, but the temple and the final temple will be Christ in you. That's the temple. And that's what he's looking to violate. And he's trying to sell everyone on this world. And that's why he says, whoso readeth, let him understand. He says, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, to stand in the holy place, be in the spirit. Walk in the spirit, remain with Christ. He is your God and your refuge. He said, whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which is in Judea flee unto the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop 
not come down to take anything out of his house. And many of them did that in the book of Josephus and they ended up stranded. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child and unto them that give suck in those days. But pray that your flight not be in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day, such as was not since the beginning of the world uh, to, the, to this time, no nor ever shall be. So there will be never a time like the one we're going into. Why does he say not to have it on a Sabbath day? Sabbath keepers try and get me into this and say, see, Jesus worshiped the Sabbath. That's not what he's talking about. Everybody knew in that time that the Sabbath was a day of rest. The book of Josephus even talks about this. So there would be no transportation going out. Okay, so that's the last thing you want is to try and escape on a Sabbath day because even that was being controlled by the Romans. Okay, so anyway, he says, and except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets and shall shew great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. So let's not think we got this thing planned out. Let's not think that we won't fall away. Let's not think, oh, that couldn't possibly happen to me because I know God's word. He says, if it were possible, the very elect would be deceived. And that's why you got a lot of smooth talking listeners out. I mean, you know, speakers out there and people try and draw you with their oratory and everything else. But we better keep in mind that what Jesus wants is the gospel. What he preached is the gospel. I don't care who you like. I don't care if it's my dad in the church selling lies. The bottom line is that's a false prophet, okay? So anyway, he says, behold, I have told you before. So he's warning us. Wherefore, if ye shall say unto, um, wherefore, if they shall say unto you, behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he's in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall the coming of the son of man be. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. And then he says in verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. So this tells you right here, there is no pre-tribulation rapture. That lie came from hell because they wanted you to be unprepared for the coming of Jesus Christ. And look how many Christians are. Look how many Christians don't believe today. We've got to draw close to Christ because we're going on pre-trib airlines out of here. And it's only the Americans because persecution is going on everywhere. But who are us as, who are we as Americans when, when the trouble gets here? God loves us in this country so much. We're getting out of here you are going to endure. He says, after the tribulation, these things will come to pass. Okay, so anyway, he says in verse 31, and he shall send his angels with the great sound of the trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, 
from one end of heaven unto the other. So, you know, that's what I wanted to bring up right now because I don't want to go too deep into this, but I want to make the point that Jesus Christ is our deliverer and he will take us through and we will be fruitful and we will prosper in that time because when this world turns extremely dark, there we will be as those lights, letting people know that there is hope, there is Jesus. Jesus will provide like he did in the wilderness. He will drop manna from heaven. He is the bread of life. He says, if you be in me and I in you, you will be raised on that last day. If you want anything more than Jesus, then get your hand ready for the mark of the beast because you will receive it. I'm telling you, if you got trouble with even hearing with what I'm saying right now, and there's something troubling you to the place of, man, I don't want to hear that. You've got the nature of the beast. If you're a Christian, you better repent and get right with Christ that he can cleanse you from all unrighteousness and seek him, okay? Because Jesus is our Lord and Savior, and there is none above Christ. You want to say something, bro? Yeah. Go I'm ahead. With uh, persecution, you know, we kind of talked about it like it's so far out, but mm -hmm. um, China has a few people out of the past that are, you know, that are against born again Christians and against home churches and any church that's not uh, basically regulated by the government. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like it's already there, and uh, you know, there's a consequence for being a Christian in China mm -hmm. um, uh, that's like not. Christian that's pretty much controlled by the government mm -hmm. and the government churches that mm -hmm. the government tells the pastors what to say. That's right. And so there's already that consequence and it's, it's right here and honestly I think honestly Jesus can still come tomorrow because we might still be waiting for it. It's like oh when's the persecution going to come? But you know the devil might not even have to do that to America. That's you know, right. There's so much things going on around the world to justify his return right now. Absolutely. And the thing is, is that there are pastors that are being compromised that won't stand for the gospel. You want to know why you're hearing trash? You're hearing it because there are agents sitting right there in the church that appear to be just normal dudes that are looking to lock up any pastor. And I've got to say, man, you know, if that's what's going to befall me, then you get my cell ready right now, because one thing I'm going to do is praise Jesus and I'm going to stand for him. And I don't care who doesn't stand but it will be about Jesus, okay? I know too much right now. I can't turn back and nor do I want to because I understand when I was in Egypt, I was a fool. I was a sinner. I, I trusted in the government to take care of me. But now that I have found Christ and he's taken me from so many other things, he's gonna be with me in the end. And that's my primary concern. Yes, Sarah. That's a really great point because what if our idea of persecution is completely excluded? Persecution in the, in the biblical days was for those that were worthy mm -hmm. to be accounted the name of Jesus. So what if everyone's got it all backwards? Mm -hmm. Persecution is actually a good thing for the Christian because it lets us know where we are with Jesus Christ instead of trying to run away from it. And there's no persecution in her. Well, here's, here's also what the devil wants to do. The devil doesn't just want to kill you. He wants to kill you with a confession. And if our confession is our lifestyle, then your time can end now. Okay, the devil is hoping to drop a nuke 
on sinners or self-proclaiming Christians that are not real Christians. He's looking to destroy you. He wants you to confess that you don't know Jesus when he does what he does. He has no desire to kill saved people. He wants you to lose faith in Christ and be unsaved so that you, where you can join him in the lake of fire. This is why we've got to get those things taken out of us. But to answer Sam's question, I get what Sam is saying, but persecution is coming to America. We did a teaching last night on the seven heads and 10 horns. You look at the, the uh, Club of Rome, their map, they got everything mapped out. They're gonna be 10 kings that are gonna rule over 10 regions and they are gonna bring to pass what they say. But you know, we may die before the great tribulation like Sam is talking about. So we need to get ourselves ready to meet the Lord no matter what. Amen, bro. Yeah, Christina. Um, also, I see, you know, in America, we have uh, a lot of people with the appetites for money, food, lust of things, power, um, and God might be allowing that season for time to give them those things, and it really is, that is their death. Or Satan even providing those things, you know, not realizing the spiritual death going on. Absolutely. Jesus said it beautifully. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, he wasn't lying. That came from the Messiah. Whatever you consider your treasure is where your heart's going to be. Don't deceive yourself and think, man, I can live lavishly and love the world. And then when the time comes, I'm going to remember I'm serving Jesus. It's going to be too real. You won't have enough oil in your lamp. You're going to see in real time what happens to a Christian. And I guarantee you, your legs will buckle under pressure because you're not going to represent someone that you don't know. In order to know Christ, you got to spend time with him. That's just like, you know, you want to stand for somebody that's a good friend. You're going to stand because you believe that's a good friend. But are you going to feel that way about a stranger? As a Christian, we should. But sometimes even when people die at funerals that we don't know, you would like to cry and join everybody, but you don't because you're not linked to it. You see what I'm saying? There's no intimacy or connection where you're going to feel that way. So if you don't know Jesus at the time of your persecution, you will, trust me, I know it sounds like, no, I'm just gonna jump on Jesus' side. It'll never happen. That's why he tells us to build that house upon the rock. When the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew, that house stood strong. But when they built their homes on quicksand, the rains descend, the floods came, the winds blew, and that house fell, and great was the fall of it. That's why he says, he that doeth these words and heareth them shall be likened unto what? A wise man who built his house on Christ. The foolish man will hear the words and not do them, and your house will not stand at that time. So, you know, I don't want people to be deceived. I want you to call out to God, not for me, but he is the hope of the whole world. Now, guys, I don't want to talk too much because we intend to do Last Supper tonight. Not Last Supper. Well, you know, it may be, right? you know, but we intend to do uh, the Lord's Supper tonight. OK, so um, you guys have something. On a point that you mentioned earlier yeah. about how. The devil doesn't want to just kill Christians. He wants to uh, like, get a confession. Get a confession. Yeah. And it's crazy because I, in a way, I tested that today. I was with mm -hmm. a coworker and he's Christian. And it's like, he's um, like, I don't know. Anyways, he's Christian. So he says that. And mm -hmm. we're just talking about a subject. Uh, 
Actually, I don't, you know, I'm not going to hide it. It, it was uh, Netflix. Mm-hmm. And I was telling him how he's just youngly married. Mm-hmm. And how he should definitely just not stay at home and just watch movies with his wife. He should go out and kind of just like just take her out and get to know her for the first two years, three mm-hmm. years before you have kids and everything. Just, just mm-hmm. kind of, I don't know, why is the council, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. right? And just his first response, he didn't take counsel. First response, because, oh, that's what I said. I said, Netflix from the devil. And I was mm-hmm. saying that just specifically for him, because mm-hmm. it's just kind of where he's at in his stage in marriage. Mm-hmm. You know? And he's like, well, he's like, well, I don't know if I believe that. And I was like, yeah. And I got his point to this point. I said, yeah, you know, that makes sense. It's not the devil. I'm just clarifying for your stage. You need to treat, you know, you need to. Get to know your wife right now. Mm-hmm. That's not time just to sit at home and just be lazy. That's mm-hmm. not, it's not stage in your marriage you need to be at, mm-hmm. um, especially for kids. So then, and then I, and then I just kind of went on my day. I came back to him and I was like, man, Netflix doesn't need any defending. You know how much homosexual, sexual, uh, oh, man, gay, forget it. I can sit on Netflix. I, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I try to, I try to salvage Netflix. I'll sit there for 30 minutes, try to find a movie and I can't, <laughs> I just can't. I'll start one for two seconds. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I can't, mm-hmm. you know, rated R, whatever, whatever. You just read the titles. You just can't even, you, you can't even watch that. a normal movie. No. Yeah. We watch all the old, old movies. Cause those are the only ones that are safe. That's mm-hmm. what we watch. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and if you want to, let's see, I was bringing a great point. Hey, bro, so, so I called him, I was like, dude, this doesn't even need defending. How are you, def- you're a Christian, how are you defending the devil right now? You're <laughs> defending the devil in your own house. That's right. You know, and, mm-hmm. and I didn't even bring it up at that point, but you're mm-hmm. going to defend that? You know, mm-hmm. what else? Do Christians, you know, I hate Costco too. I love Costco, but I hate Costco. But there's things that are crept in people's hearts. Like mm-hmm. Just comfortability, like just being comfortable. And uh, ease of access, ease of use, and it's like, dude, it's the devil. You know, it's like just having. A, I love Amazon, but like, I want something that's right there. It's like, mm-hmm. dang, how does that affect my relationship with the Lord? You know, mm-hmm. it's like right here, Lord, Amazon does it. So it's like, Absolutely. it's just, it, you don't need mm-hmm. to defend those things. That's right. You need to call them what they are. If you're going to use them, use them. But you need to know what they are. You you can't right. you can't submit unto them. If you're, yeah, like it's convenient mm-hmm. for a minute, mm-hmm. but guess what? When it's gone, you're gonna be calling on the Lord. So you better be calling on the Lord now. This is a great point that Sam is bringing forward because then, you see. And then from there, from there, from there, when the Lord comes, you're like, you know, I've been calling on you from when I had everything. You know, like Paul says, you know, and, and like I said, it's not it's not having. We should never feel guilty or shameful. It's a dumb. That's the devil manipulating. Absolutely. But what we should have is that mentality and mindset Paul had where he said, I'm content in all things, in abundance and in lack. Amen. And I've seen somebody's character change real quick. When they didn't have money, they're my friend. Absolutely. And when they have money, they're like, yeah, well, I don't really need you. And it's like, they'll say it really subtly. And I'm just like, are you stupid? You have $2,000. What are you talking about? This Mm -hmm. is nothing. Mm -hmm. You guys are tripping. It's just two grand. He's absolutely right because, you know, it's true. Where our treasure is, there, there's our heart, man. You know, it's one thing to, to use a thing. It's another thing to defend it. When you defend it, that's your God. When you're offended of the gospel, your that's your God. And God's got to take those things from us so that we can see with a clear perspective. Great points. Great points. That just hit me when you said that. I was like, 
dang, I have to share it because that spirit's telling me to share it. And I was like, nah. Absolutely. That thing, yeah. So, you know, Sarah's going to present. And then afterwards, guys, I hope, you know, even listeners online, we're going to take Lord's Supper tonight. Christina's going to present also. And then we're going to take the Lord's Supper. So if you guys are online and you got bread and you got juice, I don't care if you got Twinkies and root beer, okay? Whatever you got, you know, if that's what's going to work, you know, have Lord's Supper with us tonight, okay? So Sarah's going to present. We'll get right in. And then, uh, All right, let's go to Proverbs 11 and verse 1. I'm going to start reading for the sake of time. Proverbs 11 and verse 1. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. When pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. The integrity of the upright shall guide them, but the perverseness of the transgressors shall destroy them. Riches profit not in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivereth from death. So I think this is going right with the study tonight because it's talking about, you know, we obviously live in a wicked society and everyone is out for self and everyone's out for money. There's no uh, integrity to do anything right anymore. Everything's basically right in our own eyes. And if you are considered someone who is a Christian or who believes in doing the right thing according to um, the standards that the Bible has, and you don't want to go against that, then you're considered weird and an outcast because mm-hmm. it's like you go against the grain, which is fine with me. We're supposed to go against that grain because we have the Lord looking at us. And that's the, the definition really. And that's how the military says it. But you take it into the biblical sense. Integrity is doing the right thing even when no one's watching. But for us, we know who's watching. And that's Jesus Christ. So it's like we do the right thing regardless. It's like indirectly saying there's no God. He's yeah. doing the right thing with you when no one's watching. Mm-hmm. God's always watching. He's always watching. Exactly. Can I say something? Yeah. Um, to connect to that verse. Sorry. <laughs> um, so when it says um, to riches, profit not in the day of wrath. Well, when we just talk about the black horse and how um, there's going to be you know, famine and inflation, basically all these things happening. Um, and how that money doesn't really matter because people are going to be stealing from each other mm-hmm. and everything. Um, but then the next where it says, but righteousness deliver from death. I keep thinking about that last um, verse that you brought up, um, Martin, and you asked about Derek, about um, not being harmed, the oil and the mm-hmm. wine, and thinking the oil is like the Holy Spirit, um, and then the wine being the blood of Christ and, um, you know, making us clean and sanctifying and righteous and um, how that's not going to be affected in Exa- again. Exactly. Exactly. And that's mm-hmm. also what we have to have on the armor mm-hmm. because it's like that salvation has got to be protected. A lot of people think that they're safe today until this, until it comes down to this. Mm-hmm. this is, you know, something we all have to realize. The righteousness of the perfect shall direct his way, but the wicked shall fall by his own, fall by his own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright shall deliver them, but transgressors shall be taken in their own naughtiness. When a wicked man dieth, his expectation is, shall perish, and the hope of unjust men perish. The righteous is delivered out of trouble, and the wicked cometh in his stead. An hypocrite with his mouth destroyeth his neighbor, but through knowledge shall the just be delivered. So I'm taking the theme from this is that we can't 
consume ourselves with riches. The, the point that Sam brought up that you brought up is extremely important because we may have things in our life, but we cannot make them our God. Our mm -hmm. God is only Jesus Christ. You know, he may have us look at certain things for knowledge purposes, mm -hmm. but we can't get so caught up in everything that we're doing mm -hmm. that even, you know, with things that we're doing within the ministry or whatnot, it can't take away Jesus Christ, especially considering all that's going mm -hmm. on right now. Yeah. So and that's what I caught up in what we don't have. Exactly. That's what the Israelite the members were caught up on is the food that they didn't have. Right. Of all the promises that the Lord gave them. There's a verse in Proverbs 14 that I was going to mention earlier, but it's it's exactly that. It's the heart. I can't remember. It says like the heart of the tranquil will will flourish, but envy will bring like um, like rot your bones. Like mm -hmm. talking about yeah. like, having yeah. a tranquil, like, thing, um, content heart, and then yeah, exactly. It's not lusty answer if you don't have. I've had a handful of people when they see the tractor house they comment and say i'm so jealous and i always tell them don't be jealous be inspired it's like you can have whatever you want to work for it it's mm -hmm. like but and these are christians yeah, or they call themselves christians yeah. Yeah. they're other yeah, people who have other businesses in yeah. yeah and it's just i always find it so weird All right, can you guys turn to Lamentations 319? Actually, 314. What's Lamentations 319? Um, lament. Like, 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 yeah. I thought it was like making sounds of like instruments and stuff. And this book was written by Jeremiah, um, and it was after the fall of um, Jerusalem, and it was a very sorrowful time for people going through a lot of struggle and pain. Um, so, Lamentations 3 and 14. I was a derision to all my people and their song all day long. Martin. Uh, he had filled me with bitterness. He had taken, or he had made me drunken with wormwood. He has also broken my teeth with gravel stones. He has covered me with ashes. And thou has removed my soul far off from peace. I forgot prosperity. This is kind of also what we saw with it uh, in numbers with the Israelites. Um, you know, their, their soul um, being... You know, they were complaining about their circumstances and everything going on. And their soul was basically had, I mean, it wasn't satisfied. It was far from peace. I didn't have rest. Um, 18. And I said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. Remembering my affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall, my soul has them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. So he's kind of making a transition now. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, have I have hope. Therefore, have I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because he compassion, his compassions fail not. So his compassions fail not. So he deals with all of our sin and chooses to still work with us as long as, you know, we're willing to seek him through it um, and repent. 23, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. 
The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. Um, so this verse number 24 is something I really like meditated on last night. Um, just like the Lord being enough for us. And then so this study, how <laughs> we just talked about, um, you know, filling up on God and having him be what makes us full and um, him being our spiritual food during times um, when we're struggling or feeling pain or of sorrow or in the end times when we're feeling tribulation or persecution, this is going to happen. And we just got to remember to continue to know that Lord is Jehovah Jireh. He will provide everything that we need. Um, and he is enough. Um, the Lord is good unto them that wait for him to the soul that seeketh him. So go back to numbers. They weren't waiting for him. They were complaining. That's not being still and being in peace on God's spirit and trusting him. Um, it is. And so no wonder why God was angry. Um, it is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. This is going to be tested, I believe, during this end times, too. And patience is definitely a virtue. It's not easy. <laughs> um, it is. Yeah. Why is it quietly? Quietly. Um, I think it's because there's going to, I mean, personally, I think there's going to be like lots of chaos going around. Or when you are going through pain and suffering, sometimes that seems very loud. So when God's spirit rests upon you, I think it brings peace in times of sorrow and times of um, chaos and, and persecution. Still waters, yeah. You know, that's a good question too. Um, that reminds me of Thessalonians. It's a study. Mm -hmm. That's probably along the same lines. Cause that's mm -hmm. also during a lot of chaos. Yeah. I can't read the Bible or even study without it being quiet. Like, I mean, the most part, you know, it's really yeah. hard for me to hear from God. I wonder if they brought up the wormwood because mm -hmm. just to be drunk of wormwood. Yeah, yeah, but if you if you take wormwood and you make tea out of it, it's mm -hmm. actually good for your stomach. It'll make you sick. You mm -hmm. know, it's very bitter, but it's it's medicine. But mm -hmm. once you you know ferment it and make alcohol out of it, it's actually it's called uh, absinthe. So it's yeah. like it's the other. You can start hallucinating and different things with it. Mm -hmm. But it's. I think it's drunk with bitterness. I don't know if that's what he means. Okay. He's using wormwood as a type of metaphor, you know, mm -hmm. for it. Well, but, I can yeah. testify to that. Usually when you're drunk, you're more bitter. But that's what that's a great point. That's what the Israelites were. They were drunk with bitterness. They were bitter against God. So this is you know key what you're bringing up and what Christine's talking about. And ultimately it caused death. That sin caused death upon them. Um twenty-seven. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. He sitteth alone and keepeth silence because he has borne it upon him. He putteth his mouth in the dust. If so, be there may be hope. He giveth his cheek to him that uh, smiteth him. He is filled full with reproach. So when, you know, the enemy is coming and attacking us, you know, persecuting you, um, you know, people in other countries right now in China and everything are experiencing this. Real Christians are, you know, being persecuted. He's saying to turn your cheek. You know, he's saying to be brave um, during the time of persecution. And that's what we have to prepare ourselves for. Um, 
for the Lord will not cast off forever. But though he cause grief, yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. For he does not afflict willingly nor grieve the children of men to crush under his feet all the prisoners of the earth. Just what we are. To turn aside the right of a man before the face of the Most High, to subvert a man in his cause, the Lord approveth not. Who is he that saith, and it cometh to pass, when the Lord commandeth it not? Out of the mouth of the Most High proceedeth not evil and good. Wherefore does a living man complain, a man for the punishment of his sin? Let us search and try our ways. And turn again to the Lord. Let us lift up our heart with our hands unto God in the heavens. So that's just kind of what I want to um, share tonight. Lord's your portion. Surrender it to him. You're going to go through things. It's going to get worse. And just know that your hope is in him. And search your attitude. Correct your attitude. If you feel bitterness, if you're complaining, if you're feeling anything that's not the spirit of God, give it to him. Amen. That was a great conclusion, you know, with everything. So, you know, we're going to take Lord's Supper now. And um, it's important for us to recognize before you decide to do it, you know, we always go over what the Lord tells us is acceptable for taking his supper. Okay, because um, not enough people take this serious. Not enough people care enough about this to give God what he deserves, okay? So the thing here is, you know, we're gonna go to uh, 1 Corinthians 11. Thank you, brother, Sam. But, you know, we're gonna go to 1 Corinthians 11. So we're gonna go to 1 Corinthians 11, and we're gonna begin at verse 17. And you guys listen to these words before we get into it. This is not where we're gonna conclude. You know, we like to finish in Luke 22, but it's important that we have an understanding of what the Lord wants, okay? The Lord's Supper is a very serious thing. So this is 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 17. He says, now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not that you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. And there must be also heresies, okay, uh, among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest unto you. So this is important that we understand Paul is catching division that's going on in this church. And he made clear that there must be heresy is the reason why this is happening. If we cling to the Lord and do what the Lord says and we believe in his words, then Paul says we should all believe the same things, mind the same things, have the same heart, be led by God's spirit, no heresy. Verse 20, when you come together therefore into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's supper, but in eating every one taketh before other his own supper and one is hungry and another is drunken. What, have ye not house to eat and to drink in, or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not? Shall um, What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. But I have received of the Lord that which is also I delivered unto you, 
that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he break it and said, take, eat, uh, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. So before we eat and before we uh, go into this, we're gonna finish this off, okay? This is no light matter. Look at verse 25. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. But as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do shew the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. So let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep, many are dead. But if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when ye are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together unto condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. So, you know, for anyone that didn't understand this, guys, this you couldn't find a situation more serious than this. When Jesus sat amongst his disciples, if we are going to be partakers of his supper, then what we're saying is we're disciples of Jesus Christ. That means we are one blood, one spirit, one heart and mind under one father and one Lord and Savior, which is Jesus Christ. So, you know, we're going to take this moment, guys, to examine ourselves. If there's anything that we know that we're doing that's not right, you need to repent of it and make it God, make it right with God. And if he wants you to be a partaker of his supper, he'll make it known unto you. But examine yourself thoroughly and see where you are with the Lord. I'm going to do the same. So we're going to take about two minutes in silence to get it right with God, whatever we have to. But the warning is many are sick and many are asleep because they drink of this cup unworthily. So let's uh, let's take this two minutes. Let's take this time to pray and, and get right with the Lord.
All right. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So now I'm going to pick it up and uh, conclude in Luke 22. And we're going to look at verse 14. And it says, when the hour was come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. And he said unto them with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover uh, with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, uh, take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of this vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. So we may all eat together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God Almighty. Well, I'm going to pick it up in verse 20. He says, likewise also the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. So we may all drink together. Thank you, Jesus. And truly the son of man goeth as it was determined, but woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. So, you know, thank you, Lord. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you, Lord, for your covenant. Thank you for showing us that we couldn't govern ourselves out of our own wretchedness, that you provided us with the spirit, Lord, one that is of you, that we may conform to your desire and be like you. What greater glory, Lord, have we than to be with you and to be a part of your inheritance? You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. And Lord, I pray for every brother and sister listening in. I pray, Lord, for my brethren and sisters before me. I pray for their families and their friends, Lord, that we get serious about you, that we truly become disciples, that we stayed in your shed blood, cleansed from all unrighteousness, and that we not compromise and sell out to the world and do the things that the world wants. I pray in Jesus' name, as we get sifted and as we go through, that Lord God, you will be with us, that we may be faithful brides unto you in white linen, Lord, at your supper, doing what you want us to in heaven. For Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. And we pray, Lord God, for all sinners that are out there that don't know of your name, that you put a great boldness in people, that they understand unless we speak of you, we are not glorifying God. So we just pray in Jesus' name, give us boldness, give us understanding, 
quicken us with your spirit, Lord, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, that we may reach the lost on this sinking ship, because it doesn't matter the color of the horse. I look for a city whose builder and maker is God. I look for the King of Kings to come on his white horse and to deliver his people at the appointed time. We just thank you, Jesus, that you've allowed us to be with you. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for giving us your son, that he may give us life and not death. We pray and we ask in all these things, in Jesus' name, that they be done for your glory, Lord, and your honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, you know, I just want to tell people out there, if you know you're not saved and nobody knows this more than you, give your life to Jesus while there is still time. Each day is not promised to us. You repent of your sins. You thank God for his salvation. And you accept his free will offering of salvation. And you believe in his shed blood on the cross. You believe in his death, burial, and resurrection. And the blood of Jesus will wash you clean. That you will not have to live in condemnation. And when you're done here serving a holy and righteous God, he has prepared a place for you and I that we may be with him in eternity because outside of the will of Jesus Christ is a lake of fire. So I just wanna to say to you all, I love you. Give your life to the Lord while there is still time. I'm Minister Derek Hallett of Sound the Trumpet Ministries, soundthetrumpetministries.com. And until next time, have a good night. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.